You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Bears-Packers postgame show. The Bears just filled the Green Bay Packers by the final score of 21-13, to and just like that, the 2019 season comes to a close. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. And Nick, what's one lesson that you took from today's game? Mine, and I told you right before we went live, is you don't trust Jesper Horstead to pitch that ball. You know, I think you just don't trust the Bears when they look like they're on a winning streak to, you know, continue to have this positive, like, you know, streak that they had going because it was Green Bay in Lambeau Field. They needed this to even stay, you know, alive with their slim playoff hopes. But I think it's just how many times have we been let down by the Chicago Bears when, you know, just consistently over the years. So I think that's just the next thing. Just don't count on the Bears to do something because they'll always get your hopes up. They do get your hopes up. Uh, they did a few different times throughout this game, a game that in many ways they had all the business winning, yet no business winning at all. Another weird Chicago Bears game that we have the privilege to break down, Nick, and I can't wait to do that with you. So let's go ahead and get into the first quarter of this postgame show, and let's go ahead and begin with my monster moment. I don't know, Nick. There are so many moments in this game where I can go that I believe dictated the final outcome. You got to go, I think, with the last two, though, if you want to put it all there, because the Bears had it, the chance. Riley Ridley had his hands on the ball with the second-to-last play. The Bears are just a couple of yards shy here to at least tie it up. You still have the two-point conversion, so maybe that's uh, an instant kind of gut feeling. Uh, But if you want to go kind of looking at this game as a whole, Nick, I think the biggest play of this game, and it was early, was that Cordero Patterson penalty that they threw on him early in this game in which the Packers scored that initial seven points off of. So maybe in hindsight, I go with that Patterson one, but right here in the wake of the game, just finishing up a couple of moments ago, I'm going to have to go with the Bears having an opportunity, uh, a really tough one, but they had two chances to at least maybe tie this up and they weren't able to get it done. But how about you, Nick? What's going to be your Moriano minute? Yeah, so I think we need to highlight where this game really started to churn for the Bears. Uh, out of their favor and really in Green Bay's favor, all momentum was that really that third quarter because the Bears' defense just didn't come out and, you know, play defense essentially. They gave up two touchdowns in this drive, and then they scored nothing for themselves. So they're in a hole, which they already created at the end of the first half, being down by four points. So that's what really turned this entire game where the Bears' defense – consistently bad tackling on both the drives they gave up touchdowns to to the the Packers and then the offense just didn't do anything to combat the Packers offense to just put up points of their own so really when you look at this game it's that third quarter that won the Packers the game and lost the Bears the game and ultimately ended their season like you said to start off the show will but I look at that third quarter being the complete game changer for why the Packers were able to win and the Bears lost. Yeah, no, that was a very huge third quarter, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, on both sides of the ball because, like you said, it seemed like worst-case scenario for both the offense and the defense there, and luckily they're able to turn it around to make this thing as close as it was, but if you take away that third quarter, perhaps this is a different uh, final outcome. But, Nick, speaking of taking things away, what's going to be your midway mulligan here this week? Yeah, so this one was interesting because I, I don't think there was any of those really – I guess obviously there are big plays throughout, but when I look at this game, I mean, on one, you can look at either one of the defensive drives, but I think the Prince of Mukamara tackle, where it's set up for him to make the tackle on Aaron Jones to prevent him from getting that touchdown, and who knows what happens with the Bears defense. Maybe they only hold uh, Green Bay to a field goal there, but it was set up for Mukamara to really make this play because they leave him unblocked for a reason, and yet Aaron Jones just kind of runs right by him. There's no... There's no resistance there whatsoever, and I think after that play, he was benched throughout the remainder of the game. So I look at that one as being just... Finally, 
a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. One of the key plays out of many on the two drives that gave up in that third quarter that really led to that Bears losing. But that play specifically, I, you know, it just really bothered me to see Prince Mukamura, who was having a bad day, and then that play, it just didn't sit right with me. Yeah, he almost said hate. I would have been okay if you would have said that you hated that because uh, I'm right in alignment there with you, Nick. Jumping into my stat of the game this week, I'm looking at the Bears here on fourth down. They went for it on three different occasions throughout this game, and they were 0 for 3 on fourth down. I think that's a big one. Whenever you can, well, whenever you do turn the ball over on downs on three separate occasions, A, it shows you uh, that you're playing from behind. B, you're not executing on that final down to con- extend those drives. And then when you want to look at the Packers, they only had one fourth down conversion, but it was a big one. It was that touchdown to Devontae Adams there early on in this game. So not just the 0 and 3 on fourth down, but just uh, the different levels of success for Green Bay and uh, no success for the Bears on fourth down. It's going to be my stat of the game. Nick, there was a point in the third quarter of this uh, this contest where I really thought I wasn't going to have an MVB. Like I was like, who in the world is deserving of an MVB? And at that point, I didn't think anybody was. But as the game kind of rolled on, I think a couple of players definitely stepped up. But I want you to go ahead and take a stab at it first. Who's going to be your MVB here for Week 15? You know, I think it's a guy that's been consistently playing well for this Bears offense, and that's Anthony Miller just having another game now where Mitch Trubisky can rely on him to make plays. Nine receptions, the most on the team today, 118 yards, and obviously that touchdown score that he had. So I think this is just a guy that, you know, throughout the course of the season, probably, you know, a little too late now to save the Bears' season. But moving forward, it looks like there's some good chemistry between Trubisky and Anthony Miller. But I have to look at that just what he did in a complete game. You know, he lined up in the slot, lined up outside, had to do a variety of things like he usually does for his Bears' offense. But I look at what he was able to do, and I think he's deserving. And I think, you know, Allen Robinson's a close second for sure. But those two guys, I think, stepped up today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're looking at either of those two receivers, I think they're easy ones. I'll go ahead and give a defensive one just so we have something a little bit different here. I'll go with a Nick Kwiatkowski. Not only did he have early on a a very – Nice dropped interception, which you don't usually hear us talk about that here on the show, but they gave the Bears uh, plenty of extra field position because Green Bay attempted to go for it on fourth down and failed soon thereafter. So that was a good dropped interception, uh, rare, but again, I'll take it there. And then, of course, after Trubisky's interception here in the fourth quarter, Kwiatkowski answered with a huge sack on third down that knocked the Packers out of field goal range, which really was the only reason why the Bears even had the chance that they did here late. So for me, Nick Kwiatkowski with that sack, that dropped interception, and he was up there. He was all around the football today as well. I'm going to go ahead and say he was the MVB, at least for the defense, because, Nick, I agree with you. Anthony Miller came up clutch. So did Allen Robinson, because Robinson, he ended the day seven catches, 125 yards, averaging 18 yards per catch. At halftime, he only had one catch for nine yards. So the vast majority of that production came not just late in this game, but really in the end of the third quarter and throughout the fourth quarter as well. So those two guys definitely stood out as well. All right, before we enter the second quarter of the show, we need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like taking websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big they can just get away with not caring about the customer experience. With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for that perfect seat and start enjoying it. So why is SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, simply put, they're a better process. They pull together millions of tickets from all over the web. They rate each ticket on a deal and they rate them from a uh, grade of 1 to 10. And finally, SeatGeek displays all the tickets on an interactive seat map. That way you know exactly the view you're going to get for the seats that you're looking for. SeatGeek breaks down the details. The green dots are the good deals and the red dots are tickets that are just, well, overpriced. 
And every purchase, it's fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. Of course, everyone here at the Chicago Audible, we have the Seeky Gaps on our phone, and by far it's the easiest and fastest way to find tickets. It's what we use to go get some tickets for the Bears' next game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you're looking to potentially join Nick and I at that game, uh, definitely check out SeatGeek as there are a few amazing deals left for that game. And on top of that, SeatGeek will get you $10 off your first purchase, and all you need is to use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use that promo code BEARS for $10 off your first purchase. Again, that promo code is BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, and then unlocks you $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. Alrighty, you're listening to Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. We are entering the second quarter of the show, and it's time to break down the Bears' offense. And Nick, just to kind of kick things off, early on, I was pained by the lack of any movement up front for this Bears' offensive line. I think they were a big reason why the Bears struggled so mightily on offense, at least early on, and then also that third quarter, just no push, not able to really help us get the running game going, and the pass protection was uh, average at best. Uh, What's your take on the offensive line and their role in the final outcome? Because to me, they were a big decisive force. Yeah, I think early on, especially, I know I tweeted out during the game that the offensive line looked like it went back to its former self before this three-game winning streak where they weren't getting consistent push, creating running lanes for the running backs, and just, you know, being, uh, you know, a decent offensive line. They definitely did not help this offense sustain drives, get any push up front. I think it was on the first drive, it seemed like that the Bears, they were they were doing this hurry up, right? And it seemed uh-huh. like they were kind of hurrying it up too fast for their own offense to even get some any consistent blocking established, and that kind of played them out of any... any sustaining any drive so that was a huge part of this because when you go into I think it was they went into halftime well with only 36 total yards rushing at the end of the first half Mm -hmm. that's you know obviously something that is not going to help you one establish any kind of play action game or just make a defense even be honest to when you're trying to run the ball because there's just no threat of the rushing attack doing much to a defense so it played a huge factor as to why the Bears offense you scored three points and we've seen this all year, Will, where they just haven't done much of anything in the first half. They scored three points in the first half and didn't do anything in that third quarter where they have actually been consistently good at scoring and moving the ball. So, again, I think it does go back up front. The guys just weren't doing their jobs. And Kenny Clark for the Packers, credit to him because he was having an absolute day wherever he was lined up just disrupting whatever the Bears are trying to establish. He was a guy that was really disrupting back there. He was. You talked about it. The Bears didn't have a lot of rushing yards at the end of the half. And if you actually want to look at running back specifically, it gets a little bit worse. Uh, 15 carries and 12 yards from running backs at halftime, which goes to just show you, uh, A, how poor running backs were able to kind of get going, and B, uh, what Mitch can potentially bring with his legs as he kind of helped boost that stat uh, just a little bit. But, yeah, Nick, the inability, and we talked about it both on Thursday night during the preview podcast, that if the Bears can't establish a run, we're going to be in for a long day offensively. And I think that was a big reason why it was the case today. And what really kind of hurts about it was just how poor Green Bay's run defense has been. There really shouldn't have been much of an excuse for the Bears not to establish a run today. What did, do you think that the weather played a factor at all? Because I don't know, or was it like more game plan specific? They did a lot of shotgun runs early on, which maybe, you know, you want to bring back that I formation early pound it here with the weather being so cold. Just curious of your thoughts there. You know what? I think you also got to look at the Bears have established a run on some defenses now that have not been. They've been all right. I mean, look, you played Detroit, you played the Giants, and then you played Dallas, who was just on a downward trend. And then you play Green Bay's, and obviously their defense wasn't as good as it was in week one, but they still have some capable playmakers up front. And the Bears just weren't able to win those one on one matchups. Uh, in the trenches, really. I think that's what came down to the Bears not being able to establish anything up front. And then you also look at they do have two inexperienced guys on the right side, but that's still no excuse. Yeah, I think it's just a, it's a combination of things. I, really, when you look at it, in the two matchups between Mike Pennon's defense and Matt Nagy's offense, Mike Pennon has you know won that matchup more time you know this this year specifically just being able to just stop anything Matt Nagy wants to do offensively especially the run game so you have to get one give credit to Mike Pennon give credit to those Packers players because the Bears just weren't able to establish anything up front and yeah I think it's just a combination of things to answer your question. 
Yeah, exactly. It's never a you know a one hat fits all when you're looking at the Bears and their woes when it comes to running the football. I will give them credit uh, at least of trying to stick with it before they got down so much here in the third quarter, and then they had to abandon it a little bit to kind of try to fight their way back in. Uh, because David Montgomery, he was still getting the carries, and I put it here in my notes. You know, at least they're not giving up. You know, they had uh, for Montgomery at halftime nine carries, fifteen yards. So again, he wasn't getting a lot of yards, but at least they at least trying to keep that Packers defense honest. It wasn't really overly effective, but at least they didn't abandon it too early. Uh, they had to do it in the second half, and that's why I see Mitch having 53 total attempts. He completed 29 of those, had 348 passing yards, averaged 6.6 yards per pass, one touchdown, two interceptions. I'm going to say one touchdown, one interception. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. I'm not going to count the one at the end of the first half. Uh, you'll sack three times. Uh, passer rating, 65.6. I'm throwing that out the window because I think after that first half interception on the Hail Mary, it dropped like 30 points. So, again, I'm <laughs> just going to throw that one out the window as well. What would you take of Mitch's day? Of course, it was a up and down. Throw the Again, I don't want to use weather as an excuse, but just keep it in your mind as you're looking through this. I thought he played all right. He showed really special moments. He had some ones that really make you scratch your head, a couple of missed throws down the field, but also some very special throws. It was a very mixed bad. We saw a lot of good Mitch and a handful of bad Mitch as well. What did you see overall? Yeah, I think it's it was really a mixed bag. And it's what we've seen really, you know, excluding like the three-game winning streak. It's what you saw, you know, in spurts throughout the entirety of the 2019 season. I don't know if I can label it like a, a bad day, but it was a really in-between kind of day because, like you said, he had some really good, you know, passes that are, you know, just going by a defender. You're wondering how that ball is being completed. And then you have some of the the I know I have in my notes like what kind of it was a terrible throw from Trubisky to Robinson where it doesn't even give him a chance to catch the ball on the left sideline. So it's like so much of this inconsistency, and then you're just wondering, well. Is this who Trubisky really is? I know he had this really good three-game stretch, but yeah, I just couldn't. It, it, when you throw fifty-three times, you're gonna. I think you're gonna get the good and the bad, right? Mm-hmm. He could have easily gotten intercepted early on in the game by Darnell Savage. Um, it was just a crosser over the middle, but it was a drop pass. I think it was intended for a Tariq Cohen, but he slips on the route. Could easily been intercepted. Same thing happened for Rodgers by Nick Kukowski early in the game. But we see so much of this with Trubisky, and we all thought that maybe he was kind of turning the corner. This would be another good game. But anytime you don't have any type of you know rushing attack to go alongside uh, your passing attack, it really makes you one-dimensional as an offense. And I think Mike Pettin really wanted Trubisky to be a passer. He said that week mm-hmm. one. I think it holds true for week two, uh, the second meeting now with the Packers. But, yeah, I can't really label it you know, a, a good or a bad, it's really in between, like you said, but yeah, it doesn't make me, I guess here's what, here's a big takeaway. I think it doesn't give me, you know, a lot of confidence moving forward. I can't take this matchup, look at this game and say, I feel confident with Trubisky being the starter in 2020, which I think he will be, but it doesn't make me feel good about it. I should say. Okay. See, the more I sit here and I think about this game, I don't know. It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, right? I don't know. That's the big one. But ugh, there's a lot that I really like from it when he's scrambling and he's fighting for yards. He's making guys miss. And those are big scrambles that put the Bears in third and manageable situations. He had some really tight throws over the middle of the field. He wasn't afraid to take his shots today. He had a few of those, we, you know, using different arm angles to make some completions, which is something that he doesn't do a ton of, but he had to do it a couple times today, throwing across his body, but doing it in the weirdest, smartest time and way possible. Those are plays that you never really want to see happen, but they're working. And then towards, the, again, the third quarter, at least early on, wasn't working. But they were putting together, stringing together scoring drives. You know, they were ending in field goals. But that's what this Packers defense has done all season. They allow teams to move the ball. And then once they get close enough and they get inside the red zone or they get inside the 30, they really tighten up. So that's nothing that I didn't expect. The Bears scoring 
13 points really is roughly what I thought this game would be. I thought this game would be a little bit lower scoring. And it goes back to really that Patterson flag, Nick. That was a 14-point swing if you want to look at it. And I, th- I forgot who said that in the chat. I want to give him credit for saying it was a 14-point swing because it was because the Bears should have had the ball there with a half of the field to go. So maybe it's not a guaranteed 14-point swing, but at the very minimum it's 7. At the most it's 14, and more than likely it's a 10-point swing, which would have been enough here to put the Bears on top. Getting off topic, getting back to Mitch, I thought today was a game where he had moments where I feel confident that he could be a very solid guy here in the future. A few moments sprinkled in that have me scratching my head, but he's out there with uh, sometimes uh, just whims, uh, Riley Ridley. Uh, no tight end production still, Nick, and I think that's a big one. Uh, before uh, Horstead had that 18-yard catch here in the fourth quarter, uh, we had one catch from a tight end, which was J.P. Holtz, which I believe was on the first or second drive of the game, and it was for negative one yard. And I think the tight end, if you have an actual tight end, a viable tight end in this offense that can win routes and a guy you can go to, someone who Trey Burton was for the first 10, 12 weeks last season, I think you see a different Mitch because that offense totally opens up and it makes his life so much easier. Yeah, I think not having a, an actual threat at the tight end position. Yeah, we saw a couple of touchdowns these last couple of weeks. One touchdown, you know, from Ben Broniker against the Lions and then Jesper Horstead uh, also against the Lions. But we haven't seen really consistent play out of that position. And we all know, we, we all know this when Matt Nagy was hired that this was a key position for this offense. It just opens things up, allows you to really run, you know, the route combination, put the actual personnel that you want to put out there. But Matt Nagy doesn't have that, so he's kind of handicapped in that sense. But, yeah, I would think that would help Trubisky, but still, you have to make do with what you got. People are going to go down throughout the entirety of the season. But I think, you know, I when you look at this game really early on, I don't think Matt Nagy just took a not, uh, now going a little bit off topic just about the offense in general. I don't think he took a, enough deep shots in the beginning of this, you know, first two quarters. Really, it was everything was short. Will everything was you know at the line at the line to gain or even below that. It was something out to the flat to Cohen. Cohen got a bunch of receptions in this game. Trying to see, he had seven receptions, but he also had ten targets. So it was a lot of that stuff was underneath, but you didn't see a lot of the vertical threat until the second half. So. I'm just wondering, as Matt Nagy, obviously making the adjustments, but obviously that worked in the second half. Why why not even try that really in the first half? So it's a combination of things to why we see Trubisky have these fluctuations a little bit on him. Some's on Matt Nagy, some's on having the right personnel. But yeah, it's been it's but this has been the problem with this offense all season. Thirteen points is not enough to win a football game. It no, isn't. Not. And the Packers, we're not, we're not a very good defense coming in. The Redskins, what, they scored 20 on them just last week. So, come on. I think that at this point in the season, the Bears are what they are on offense. And they obviously just need to do a lot going in to 2020 to kind of fix all the problems they have at that side of the ball. You At this point in the season, they already are. Checks my imaginary watch. Yeah, it's week, it's, we're entering week 16. <laughs> we don't got a lot of time to change it. At this point, uh, it's fruitless as the Bears are going to be officially out of the playoff contention here. Now, not that they were 100% ever really in it. We knew it was a long shot, but with now the hopes are officially uh, and completely mathematically out the window. So looking at the Bears in the second half, again, despite the fact they ended their last three drives with the interception, that uh, turning over on downs when they reached midfield, and then that technically a fumble, uh, but it's the last play of the game when you're trying to make everything happen. We're in it. We're down 21 to three. Ended up being, <coughs> excuse me, ended up being a 21 to 13 game. To me, they still showed fight, and I think that's a again. It was maybe a little bit too little, too late. Didn't complete the comeback, but what I at least can say I'm proud of with this offense and really this team because the defense, after a rocky first half of that third quarter, they kind of settled in as well. I'm proud that this team didn't give up because, I mean, I thought halfway through the third quarter, you know, it's going to be a long hour until we hopped on this postgame show. But they made it interesting. They really did. They hung in there. They took to, uh, put together a couple of scoring drives, marched down the field, and got close. So to me, I'm still proud that they were able to at least make this thing as close as it was because 
they could the Bears could have lost by more than three scores easily in this game, and here we are, only a eight point game. Still, a game that you can't really hang your head on. But at least I'm proud of their ability not to give up and continue to fight, which has been a story all season. Which reminds me a lot of like the 2017 Bears, which I was hoping this team would be more like the 2018 Chicago Bears. Any other items that you want to discuss here on the offense? Because I mean, there's a lot, but also not. <laughs> Yeah, I no, I get you. I get exactly what you you mean there, Will. But I don't know. This is not even more so. I think it's just about Bears Packers games in general. Like I had a bunch of my family come over to watch this game because of the importance of it. You know, the Bears win, they keep those playoff hopes alive. But as I'm like turning towards a game when or turning to you know watching, just seeing what my family's reactions are, just. You know, there is no reaction. It's just another – I think my uncle fell asleep. My dad was, <laughs> you know, falling asleep. It's it's because that's what just happens. We are. It's become so, I think, accustomed now for Bears fans to just get, you know, not interested in watching the full game. I saw a couple of people like, I'm going to turn off the TV. This is the first time I've done it because, again, it's like the Bears just don't show up sometimes. For so the games where you absolutely need them, and, I, and I, it's just, I guess, a Bears fan in me, you want to have hope. That they can go into Green Bay, keep them alive. We'll get to go to a Sunday night game the week after. We'll have a great time. Then it happens. Then the game actually happens. Then reality hits me like it always does. And you just see the same product. The same, you know, it's the greatest, you know, one of the best rivalries. It really hasn't been a rivalry. Come on, let's be honest. The Packers have whooped the Bears' ass so consistently now that it doesn't even matter. Like, we get hyped up for these games for no absolute reason because it's so one-sided now. I know this is going off track, but that's because this offense and this team just doesn't show up. I'm just so sick and tired. My uncle left at, left at like halftime, or he left midway through the third quarter. He's like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm like, you know what? I have a podcast to do, but I, you know there are times, Will, where it's just like it's you hard. feel the same way. It's tough. It's tough yeah. because the Packers. There's so much more with these matchups with the Packers, and every time my hopes get, you know, I lose my hope every time. You know, I don't know what hurt worse, this loss or uh, all these stitches that I got yesterday. I don't know if you can see it, Nick, but it's pretty great. Oh, that's nasty looking. <laughs> Four of them. Uh, long story short, Will bought a blender because he wants to make some healthy smoothies throughout his work week and tries cleaning blender, ends up driving himself to the emergency room. Just in, Don't touch the blades, they say. I didn't mean to. And it happened. Here we are. So what, you turned it on and then no, 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 it, no, like, no. like what, I like what the, I made a yeah. smoothie. I drank it. It was delicious, by the way. If you want a recipe, let me know. Secondly, washing it after the fact and you know use a brush with a stick and do it correctly, fine. And then I go to grab it to put it into the strainer and I grabbed it and then for some reason the brain shut off and you grab towards the blade area. I was like, oh look, there's like a little okay. spot that I didn't get completely clean. Moves hand towards it, touches blade. Instantly slices, and you just know, like, yeah, we're going to go to the hospital and get that done. But blood smoothie, no, it wasn't a blood smoothie. He had the smoothie first, someone in the comments. But, um, yeah, I don't know what hurt worse. Uh, This one was like it happened so fast, it was kind of numb to it. But also, Nick, this is the story of the Chicago Bears, and after a while you get a little bit numb to it as well. Yeah, no, it's it's very – and that's such a sad thing to say that we're just – numb used to the pain because it happens every it happens twice a year you guys i mean obviously last year in 2018 they they had the one victory at soldier field and then they had that week one game but yeah this is something that bears fans should be used to but every single time every you know every two weeks of the year the season like okay there's a chance yeah there is until the game actually starts and then boom it's gone just like that yeah, I was trying to think of some nice <laughs> yeah. comeback to bring us back to like positive ground here, but it really is tough. It really is in this one. Again, even though the Bears, uh, they hang in there, they find a way to at least keep this thing close, it's just it's too little, 13 points. This is a team, this Packers team, that's allowed teams like the Giants to hang in there, the Redskins to hang in there, and yet the Bears seem like they're the furthest out. And it always seems like Green Bay – has our number, and I know this is the first time that Matt Nagy has lost um, as a play caller in Chicago, as a head coach in Chicago, going up against a divisional team for the second time in a season. Did you see any ways that you thought Nagy was outcoached today uh, when it was coming to his offense? 
You know, I'm trying to think. Like, I don't think that Mike Penn really did anything that was out of the ordinary. He doesn't like to bring much pressure. And Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, other than the the interception that Trubisky threw to the Packers defense alignment, both those both the Smiths did not do much to really impact this game. Look, they contained the edge very well, but I didn't think Mike Penn really did much that was you know that some that Matt Nagy couldn't have game planned for. Again, I think what the plan was for that Packers defense and the Bears offense, or Packers defense wanted Mitch Trubisky to throw, and he threw for what 52, 53 attempts, whatever it was today. Too many, and obviously. The, yeah, way too many, and obviously the score kind of dictates it. Fifty three, so he's twenty nine and fifty three. I don't think they really did much to again make this game plan not seem like it worked or I, I don't know what it was for Mike Pennon, but he, he seems like in these these two games this year, he's figured out Matt Nagy's offense. And Matt Nagy's offense up to this point, these three weeks, these past three weeks, it was rolling. It was actually scoring. It was sustained drives. Then Mike Pennon shows up and Matt Nagy just again forgets how to call plays in the first half. He only has really that fourth quarter where the Bears actually score 10. So, yeah, I didn't see anything that was crazy. Again, I could, I'll watch the All-22, even though this one will hurt to watch. But, yeah, I don't, they didn't really see much crazy from Mike Penn in, in terms of why Matt Nagy couldn't get really much going throughout the entirety of the game. What it felt like was a lot of zone defense, and that's something that we struggle against. Zone defense, you're watching Trubisky, make sure he can't run and exploit him by using his legs. And Trubisky was able to still find a way to get a few from here and there, but... Yeah, when you're playing zone against Matt Nagy in this defense, and then whenever there's pressure and Mitch is rolling, the receivers aren't helping him. There's one towards the end of the game where Riley Ridley's just kind of standing there, and you see Mitch doing some hand signals, like pretty much saying, move, damn it, do something. Don't (laughs) just stand there. You're covered. It's a whole, there's a lot going on here that needs to be cleaned up in. uh... How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Uh. 300s and uh, the offense 300s of 200s this is what it was i want to see what the next step is i'd rather go back to 101 uh, so maybe 303 will be uh, where the bread and butter's at but the bears had the ball for over half this game they saw 20 third downs today and they almost converted on 50 percent of those which is an interesting mark despite seeing so many as they did today but i think another big stat here nick and you know you talked about it uh how matt nagy was it was hard finding a rhythm in the first half of the game. I think that does go back to the running game and the lack there of it because when you don't have any sort of running game, that makes your job as a play caller that much harder because it, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You abandon the run, you're damned. If you try to run for it but you're only getting one or two yards per pop, then you're finding yourself in third and long situations. So it's a very sticky spot to be in. But to set here for the entire game, only four first downs gained for the Bears – and they got 20 for the entire game, but only four of them came on the ground. And this is a team in the Packers that if you get yourself in third and two or less, all season they've proven you can run on them and convert on those. Over 70% this season, but only four pickups on first uh, of first downs on the ground to me was a big one. Anything else on the offense, Nick? I know I said that once already, but I just figured you may have had something jog your memory. If not, we can move on. Yeah, no, I think... Uh... When you look at the entirety of this game offensively for the Bears, they just obviously didn't do enough throughout three quarters of this game, which is far, far too much to expect to win and to actually put up enough points to beat. You know, a good opponent. The the Packers come, you know, ten and three finish now eleven and three on the season. You need to score and at least put pressure on, you know, Rodgers and this Packers offense to want to, you know, keep up. But that that wasn't the case. They kind of sat, you know, in the driver's seat the entire game because again, they had the lead. And when you do that, you have to really, like you said, abandon this run game, even though it wasn't getting, you know, going. It's nice to being able to, you know, hey, we can actually run on this down because we're within a score. But that that wasn't the case. That's why Trubisky throws it for 53 times. And I think history has shown us with Trubisky, if he throws, you know, these higher amount of attempts, it usually doesn't, you know, go in the Bears' favor for the win and loss column. I think uh, I would have to go back and check the stats, but I know if whenever he's higher up in throwing attempts, the Bears usually lose those games. And, right. again, that could be a bunch of things. 
but it's just been a consistency so far throughout his career. I'll say one thing it could be, and it definitely is to some degree, is when you're throwing as many times as we saw Mitch, it's a combination of playing from behind and no running game to help you out. So, yep, absolutely. And when if those two aren't happening, then you're probably not going to win regardless. I won't say that's all on Mitch, more of the situational uh, stats as well. But let's go ahead and let's call that a wrap in the offense because I don't want to – what uh, I don't want to beat the dead horse is the saying, so I don't want to go ahead and continue that. So jumping into the third quarter show, let's talk about this defense. They gave up seven points in the first half thanks to the refs and that bad call. I'm just going to say it again. I don't usually gripe about officiating, but that one was so egregious and had such a big impact early on in this game. Uh, it makes me mad, but at the same time, it wasn't the referees who gave up the touchdown on fourth down. That was Buster screen uh, with uh, not having great man coverage with Devonta Adams beating him off the route instantly, not leaving and allowing any time for a ha-ha Clinton Dix to kind of recover to bring some assistance on that side of the field. But Nick, when you're looking at this Bears defense as a whole today, you know, we had Akeem Hicks coming back, which Dude's a warrior. I mean, you can tell he's not 100%, not even close, but he's out there giving it his all, getting hurt, going to the sidelines, coming back out there, and still playing at a pretty high level. What's some of your big picture observations from this Bears defense? And we can go ahead and dive in. Yeah, so just big picture takeaways. And this won't show up on the stat sheet. It'll show up as a missed you know, opportunity for Aaron Rodgers. But there was a huge play that could have happened on that first drive where Allison just kind of dropped the ball. There was no pass rush. And look, it's HaHa Clint Dix and Prince Mukamara that are in coverage. Huge play happening. But Rodgers is just not able to connect. Really, I think it was Geronimo Allison just didn't catch the ball. He kind of just brought his arms a little too early. But that was the thing with the DBs. They didn't show up really today. They, there was a lot of missed tackles. There was a lot of just busted coverages. And when you need that one-on-one matchup and your guy to win this you know, certain matchup on especially a third down or whatever it may be, the Packers guys won more times than not. And they didn't put up stellar, crazy offensive numbers. But it's like the key plays to sustain a drive. That's where they won. And I just thought the DBs that, you know, really all season now, well, there's been a busted coverage. There's been miscommunication just inconsistency from the position, well, it reared its ugly head again today against you know Aaron Rodgers. He's going to take advantage more times than not when those kind of plays happen. So that was really disappointing. And then I think, I know I talked about this earlier in, you know, in the first quarter of our show, but tackling, like this is a huge game for your defense, for your team. And the one thing that with tackling, it's not something that every, every NFL player on defense, every NFL player should know how to tackle. Right. It's more so like an effort kind of thing than it is a talent thing or anything like that. These guys, there's sometimes they just didn't flat out want to tackle. And that's what was so frustrating for me where I tweeted out what I tweeted. And, you know, I just kind of ripped the Bears defense. And of course, after that, they, you know, kind of solidify themselves, don't allow the Packers to score any more points. But that can't happen. And it's such an important game, a fundamental and easy, you know, football technique such as tackling shouldn't be rearing its ugly head in week, what, 16 in the season, whatever it may be. This With two games left, it shouldn't happen. So those are bigger takeaway kind of pictures on what I was seeing on the defensive side. But, again, they just – that third quarter, you can't have a third mm-hmm. quarter like that because, again, your offense isn't doing much and you just need to at least hold them to field goals or just tackle. That could have changed really the game and we could have seen how this would have you know shaped out to be. Here's what I think happened. Last week, Dallas missed all those tackles, right? I think somehow we contracted like that missed tackling bug, and it carried over into Chicago and kind of reared its ugly head here in the third quarter. I mean, I can think of a missed tackle, well, a big one on Prince of Mukamara, which, by the way, Nick, I don't think he should have been out there. A, you can tell he wasn't 100% from that hamstring, and B, Kevin Tolliver has been playing pretty well, and I would have, if I was a coach, I would have, at least, again, I'm sitting here, in my office talking to you on this podcast, I would have had Kevin Tolliver starting and playing this game. Prince wasn't 100%. Tolliver's been playing well. I think that gives you the best chance to win this game. Obviously, they thought the same after they pulled a Mukamara after that missed tackle as well, but not just missed tackling, which on both of Aaron Jones' touchdowns, that's what you're seeing a lot of, but you said it. Uh, Kyle Fuller 
that he slipped. And I know that Green Bay's grass is a little slippery sometimes, but he slipped, allowed Devontae Adams to get an easy catch, which was a big one, which allowed another touchdown. So really all three DBs or all three cornerbacks at one point today, Kyle Fuller slipped. Prince Mukamara's missed tackle. Kevin, uh, not Kevin Tolliver, <laughs> Buster Screen there in the nickel spot going up against Devontae Adams. All three kind of stabbed us in the back at one point or another where everyone else was playing really well. I talked about it on our preview show that I didn't really expect Aaron Jones to go off. And in the first half, the Bears did a really good job of containing him. It was just those two drives to start off this third quarter, really where this Bears defense let us down, both of which went for five plays, both of which went for 66 yards or more. They were really quick, two-minute drives, just bam, 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 big plays, chunks. Things were falling apart. And that's really the difference in the ball game there, those two drives. Because outside of that, you're seeing a six-play punt, multiple three and outs, another three and out, more punts. It's those two drives right there. To, if the Bears would have just had one, this is an entirely different ball game we're talking about, Nick. But the two drives in which everything that went wrong felt like it did, missed tackles, missed assignments, uh, people slipping, that's really what it comes down to. And it's hard to really – analyze that because obviously the Bears were better than that. Those were just mistakes, and they cleaned them up. It's just too many mistakes compounded in too short of a period of time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it shouldn't be happening. I mean, the, the Jake Kumaro play on the sideline, like that's happening because, one, it's a good throw from mm-hmm. Rodgers to get it behind the corner. And then there's so, – how I forget. I have to lot, look back and see how many attempts there were to take down Jake Kumaro. Like, come on, that guy should not be, you know, going and getting some good yak after, you know, the one opportunity he gets in a game. So things like that, that's how you knew, like, the Bears just weren't going to come away with the victory in this one. When plays, we said that in the preview, Will, that players that you normally don't make plays for the Packers, they can't be the ones that go out and make more plays than the Bears do. But that's exactly what happened. You have these guys that are haven't been as big of contributors for this offense all season, but yet they're making plays in a game they absolutely need. They, they, they clinched the playoff berth. That's what the Packers did with this victory and essentially knocked out the Bears. So they had guys really step up when they need them to. So you can't have that. And here's the other thing, Will. We could talk about tackling and things like that. But what this Bears defense had coming into this season, I thought, well, we thought they would have, is a consistent pass rush. Yes, they yep. had some guys go down. That was not here. Rodgers looked pretty comfortable in the pocket most of the times. I know Akeem Hicks, and man, he coming off his injury and the relentlessness that he plays the game of football with is fun to watch. And he's getting banged up all game, but he's getting he's at least getting back there and hitting Rodgers a couple times. But overall, you don't see pressure come from this Bears front. Just when they're bringing four like we used to in 2018. Mac. Look, he was a non-factor in this game for only maybe a couple plays. I get it. Triple team, double team, whatever it may be. But he's being paid to make a difference. He hasn't been making a difference consistently like he did last season. And I know a lot of people are saying he's just been a dud all year. That's not true. Go look at the first four games of the season. Mac was actually a force. He was on pace to do you know even better than he did last year. Mm-hmm. But teams have figured him out. They figured out how Chuck Pagano was using him. And I think that really goes more. It's Look, Mac's a great player. I think he can get pressure anywhere. But I think it's up to Pagano to really put him in different spots. I think it's just becoming... Too predictable for offenses knowing, all right, if he's on the right, we're just going to double him there. Move him around like they did with Zadarius Smith. You see how the one play Trubisky throws that interception? Because Zadarius Smith's not coming off the edge. He's going right over the center, pushes Cody Whitehair back, and gets pressure on Trubisky, throws the interception. You don't think Mac can do something like that? He absolutely can. So I think that's on Pagano to just use him different ways. He's too good. He's way too good of a football player to not be making the impact that we all have seen him make. So it's the lack of pass rush has really, I think, covered up some of the holes that now we're seeing in 2019. The coverage bust, the not as much turnovers, not as much sacks. It really starts up front for the Bears. If you take that away, you could start to gain yards here and there from whether it is a, what was it, David Blau a couple weeks ago on Thanksgiving to obviously Rodgers here and there. So really the lack of pass rush I think has really hurt this defense, and that's why it's nowhere near the unit that it was in 2018. It's not. I'm trying to think. I feel bad, and it's not coming off the tip of my tongue right now. But we lost our outside linebackers coach along with Vic Fangio last year. 
And who was that? Because I know he went to Fangio with Denver. I think that's a big one as well because we're getting really good production out of our outside linebackers for a couple of years, and then he leaves, and now it's going away. So I think it is a coaching thing. I really do, Nick. I think you're really starting to hit on something there because there are times where, you know, Khalil Mack, he didn't even get anything to a hurry, and that's all it was. was Khalil Mack got a hurry here late in the second half of this game. It was a very important one. We needed it, but we still need to see more out of him. Leonard Floyd still very much missing in action. He had the one play where he came in, uh, got his hand on Rodgers, which forced the intentional grounding, which was another play that knocked Green Bay out of field goal range. So there were two plays in this game by Bears linebackers that did help take points or potential points off of the board. But I know, Nick, you're trying to scramble and to find it. I'm sure we'll find it here in a moment, but... I don't think it's not Ted Monachino, is it? Because I think is that the current like this is bad that I don't know this off the top of my head, but as of January 2019, blah blah blah, Monachino. Yeah, no, he's our so first, he's our current one. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's it's just yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, that outside linebacker position, I would say, (laughs) crazy to say, but it's it's really been underwhelming from the Bears this season. It really has because once you take out Khalil Mack out of a game plan, which a lot of teams have found out a ways to do that, you now have to rely on Leonard Floyd who you know, we were talking him up in the off season, he's bigger now, faster, can more consistent, has his game against the Packers and then disappears and yeah, so it's really inconsistent from that position right now. I'm I'm slapping myself in the face. It's uh Brandon Staley. We should have known Staley. Oh. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those that's so obvious it's staring at you. You just can't think about it on the top of your head. So, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, you miss that. You have to wonder, too, just how big, you know, all these losses, you know, start to go for some of that coaching staff when you're looking at uh, a year ago. Don't forget about Ed Donatel, the DB's coach from last year, who's now the defensive coordinator in Denver as well. You talked about the, you know, being so close and the turnovers aren't there. I know that's a byproduct of a lack of a pass rush. But you're looking at an Ed Donatel who got so much out of his DBs over the years and really coached them up and really had some guys, lesser talented guys, play outside of their typical ability. You have to wonder if some of these coaching changes on this defense could have been for the worse. I know we're not seeing total regression, and I know it's very hard and difficult to mimic what the Bears did last season. But when you're looking at some individual players like an Eddie Jackson who's not having those impactful of a season like he has a couple years in the past, same as the Cleo Mack, you have to wonder if it does go back to some coaching and some of these changes that we made due to Vic Fangio leaving. Now that yeah, we're and, 15 weeks in. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, like, yes, you lose like an Ed Donto. Then you bring in a Chuck Pagano who, you know, made his uh, name for himself because he coached up DBs. I don't know how much responsibility he has now obviously being the defensive coordinator, but that's why I think we had hope that this group would at least stay. Maybe, obviously, it would be unrealistic to expect them to do exactly what they did last year, but they'd be on par, maybe just a little lesser than that. But no, there's just been so much more uh, coverage breakdowns, not enough takeaways, not enough breaks on the ball. So it's a lot of different things that you're seeing the DBs not do as well as they did in 2018 because, again, it could be going to coaching because it's only one new – Real, actually, it's two new players in secondary with screen and obviously Hawklin Dix, but we're just not seeing it. We're not seeing it from that group and led the league in takeaways last year. So, uh, yeah, at this point in the season, you're looking at everything and why the Bears are where they're at. It's coaching that is probably a big part of it because I think the players – the Bears have the players. It's just not being brought together and executing a game plan, you know, every single week. Yeah, exactly. And it's really interesting now that we're kind of looking at that whole thing. <clears throat> Anything else that you want to mention on this defense? Lack of a pass rush. Akeem Hicks coming back, playing pretty well, still playing through injury, uh, and a couple of missed blunders in the third quarter. Yeah, and I think that's what really. And I don't. I think for this game, you shouldn't really expect the Bears to really make many takeaways. Packers don't, you know, turn over the ball a lot to anybody. But the Bears haven't been creating takeaways all season at the rate that we're again used to in 2018. And the Packers are a team that just doesn't turn over the ball, so you can't really expect them to do that in this game. But yeah, when you have all those negatives that we just talked about with this defensive uh, unit, it's a reason why that again. They only gave up 21 points, which is not a you know crazy number, but it was definitely enough for this game to look like uh, the. Sc- I guess the score 
doesn't make the game feel like it was that far away, but in reality it kind of was because the Bears weren't going to come back from that third quarter, even though they were, and they were on what maybe a pitch from Jesper Horstead away from actually getting there. But I think it was kind, it was a little bit further than what the score indicates. Yeah, defense only gave up 292 total yards, only 192 to Aaron Rodgers, who completed 16 of 33. You know, outside of those drives, they did exactly what they needed to do for this Bears team to win. And again, you can look at this through each lens. 13 points scored by this Bears offense isn't enough to win a ballgame. It's not going to be most weeks. I can also take the argument that this week maybe it could have been enough if you take away one of those mistakes on defense, uh, that other big penalty, one more time throwing it in there. We also have special teams to talk about, so I'm sure you hear about it one additional time as well. But, yeah, Nick, when you're looking at it, just a few mistakes that kind of compounded on one another here in the third quarter, and it was just enough just due to the Bears' inability to score too much more on the other, other side of things. But when you're only allowing Aaron Rodgers to throw – you know, for what, 192 yards, only a cool 100 on the ground as well, which uh, with Aaron Jones only getting 51 on 13 carries, just unfortunate that he was able to get two touchdowns out of it just due to being so effective uh, inside of that red zone. It's really what it comes down to today. And the lack of pass rush uh, was a difference maker as well, but it wasn't the end-all be-all today as well. But uh, do you have anything further or do you want to jump into special teams? Uh, well, looking from our moderator, Tristan, it looks like the league just announced that we will have a Sunday night football game next week. That's I, you know, I mean, obviously it. the bears are not going to be really playing for as much, but I still wanted to go see a Sunday night football game getting off track though. Uh, yeah, I got, I got nothing on this you got nothing? anymore. I got right. nothing. Will. all right. Special teams, uh, obviously coverage units were, uh, a big thing today, you got Patterson's, I have in my notes, Patterson's bullshit call. So I'm going to go ahead and say it. That's right here. And then on top of that, allowing, uh, after we got our field goal at the end of the, uh, near the end of the second quarter, of course, we allowed that 45-yard return, which allowed us, or at least the Packers, a chance to get more points. Luckily, uh, that wasn't the case due to the Leonard Floyd kind of stepping up there as well. But uh, coverage units were a couple of mistakes. Well, one mistake, one mistake by the referees. Anything else? Special teams was a big non-factor today, which is good. I know that we uh, you know, didn't really attempt many field goals due to the weather. Uh, things of that nature, but anything in the third phase you wanted to mention? No, let me go see after the okay. Uh, I know just one of the plays on one of the kickoffs, the Bears just lacked lane discipline, and one of the returners for the Green Bay Packers got a nice good return on the left sideline. Just trying to see if that amounted to anything. I don't remember exactly that where. was the one I mentioned. Okay. It was 45 yards, they got into field goal range, and that's when Leonard Floyd was able to get that intentional grounding call. And so we kind of had you know no harm, no foul, but still a problem. Still a problem, and the punt was – I thought I, there was no way I was watching the game. Like, how is this punt not blocked or the punt O'Donnell when – I again, don't ex- know exactly where it happened in the game, but looked like, again, uh, there was some kind of miscommunication, a breakdown on the punting blocking assignments, and the Bears nearly get a their punt blocked. And I think really early on, Pat O'Donnell had some shorter punts. It just seemed like not the consistency that we've seen from him. But again, maybe weather is weather can actually be a factor as to why maybe that kind of played out the way it did. But other than that, there wasn't really much to take away from you know the Bears' special teams. They didn't, I guess, lose them the game. But that one big play from Patterson, I don't know how the league kind of gets away with what they do and the calls that they don't make. But they're, it's like they're predetermining the the call on the play. And not actually seeing what's actually going on. That should be something that could, again, uh, speculate. This should be something that the league should be able to review. There was no fair signal catch called, yet that's what they called. And that's why, you know, the Bears end up getting hurt with a 15-hour penalty. But, yeah, just like you said, a bullshit call, Will. (laughs) Uh, The only other thing, O'Donnell, like you said, he struggled. He only averaged 38.8 yards per punt. If you look at the box score and you see that the Packers averaged less, uh, 35.7 uh, just remember how many shorter fields that the Packers were kind of punting from in hopes of pitting that Bears offense deep in our own territory. But O'Donnell having a few short punts earlier in this game, too, was you know giving Rodgers 
good field position. And that's one thing that we know all too often he just can't do. If you give him, I said it on Thursday, came true this week. If you give him a short field, he's going to make you pay. It just happens. It's literally a constant, and it's uh, something that, unfortunately, something we saw today as well. But let's go ahead, Nick, and just jump into our two-minute warning, wrap up our thoughts in this game. Hey, we're going to the game next week, so let's go ahead and start looking forward to that. Yeah, so I think that's uh, now with the Bears' playoff chances. And realistically, they weren't very high if the Bears even win this game. But now with a loss to Green Bay, second one of the season, you just got to wonder, like, what – obviously, we know what this team really is. The underachieving team, now a 7-7 football team. But you just have to watch these younger guys and see if they continue to grow. I want to see Anthony Miller continue this streak that he's on. I really like seeing what he's doing. They, Bears moved up to go get this wide receiver because they thought he was a playmaker, someone that, that could just consistently gain yards and beat their one-on-one man coverage. He's showing that, and that's great to see. I want to see that continue for Anthony Miller. I want to see Allen Robinson continue doing what he do. He, he got 1,000 yards this season. Kudos to him because he yep. has, I think, been the most consistent player on this entire team you can usually count on Allen Robinson to come up with the big play I know obviously throughout the season you're going to have you know your downs but I think he was the most consistent has been the most consistent this season so good for him I want to continue to also see David Montgomery see what he can do there are a couple plays where he had his limited opportunities today again he's just making people miss and he has no business to because that should be a sure tackle by a defender but that's what David Montgomery does so that's why I'm kind of looking offensively and of course uh, yes, Mitch Trubisky, how is he going to finish off this season? And, of course, the narratives that are going to be going around going into Sunday night, Will, with Mahomes, Trubisky, Reed, Nagy. Like that's, there's a lot of things that are going to be connected there. So, again, looking forward to seeing how he's going to play the rest of the season. And then defensively, you have two inside linebackers right now that I'm kind of excited to watch for these last two games in a Nick Wachowski and a Kevin Pierre-Lewis. I think... They have made the most out of their opportunities. And, you know, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, it's only like now his second game being that guy there. But Nick Kukowski, he's he should earn himself a contract extension because I don't think Danny Trevathan's coming back. And they actually have not IR'd him yet, but he's fun to watch. He's fun to watch mm-hmm. when he blitzes and just absolutely destroys poor opposing running backs because there hasn't been a running back this season that can stonewall him on a block. Because Nick Kukowski just comes with such pop. I, gosh, I forgot. Someone tweeted uh, the Polish hammer or something. I, I forgot what it was, but it was hilarious. So I want to continue to see guys like that continue to make plays. Uh, also, you know, Mac has been, I think, a little underwhelming as of late. It'd be nice to see him get going for these last two games because I know a lot of people are not liking the play from him. Obviously, he's a great player, but maybe Chuck Pagano experiments with these last two games. Put your best – put – arguably one of the best players in the game in favorable situations to get him going. So he's not having to go against a triple team or double team every time he plays. But, yeah, I'll be keying on specific players. Obviously looking forward to our game with Jonathan against the Chiefs. But, yeah, really really hyped for this game, Well, And then the Bears come out and do what they did. So, again, I'm a little down, obviously. It's not a... Not a victory Monday like we were used to the past three weeks. So right. that's that's my the end of my two minute warning. I'll see you in person, you know, a couple days here at the end of the week. So that's always a good thing, though. Yeah, it's always a great thing. When I'm looking at this game again, I think one of my bigger takeaways was, you know, despite uh, mistakes, despite being a little overwhelmed on offense from time to time, despite the fact they weren't able to really solidify a running game, the Bears found a way to fight, and they found a way to make this thing at least close and gave themselves multiple opportunities to tie up this game where they had no business really being in it after the you know halfway through the third quarter. I was anticipating us having, like I said, a long end of this game, coming on here pretty defeated for this post-game show. And even though I think our energy is still a little bit down and we're still a little upset by the final outcome, uh, I still am proud of the way that they kind of hang in there and they were able to at least make this thing closer than really it was at one point. When I'm looking forward to the rest of the season, Nick, I think you had a great laundry list of items that we should just be paying attention to. I really do uh, second Anthony Miller. I mean, he's been on a tear in the second half of the season. He's a big building block. I want to see Kevin Tolliver stay out there. Uh, Someone I mentioned who I think is playing really good football. I think he would be an interesting guy to have an extended look as we kind of wrap up the season. Uh, Prince Mukamara, I know he's on a shorter contract. I know he's a little bit older. He's a little bit banged up. 
I don't know. I like the energy that Kevin Tolliver brings. He's always really sound in coverage. He's not afraid to lay, you know, lay down a hit. So I really am excited to see what we have in him as well. Uh, speaking of the inside linebackers, I would be very comfortable with the Roquan Smith, Nick Wachowski one-two duo with uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis being, you know, your primary backup at the position. Then you have three linebackers who can really go after quarterbacks, uh, can blitz, are also really sound in coverage. Uh, Kwiatkowski's really getting better in that regard. It's really cool to see his growth there because that was an obvious pain point and with him kind of shoring it up I mean that makes him a very viable starting linebacker in the NFL which is something that we didn't think he could actually evolve to become we thought he'd be a really strong special teamers a sub adequate inside linebacker and he's quickly proving some doubters wrong it's great to see him kind of bouncing back here after a year kind of removed from a starting role here in Chicago so we'll see, Nick. I know next week, you know, you talked about the storylines. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Tariq Cohen will be another one. Uh, Travis Kelsey versus no tight ends will be another interesting storyline to watch. <laughs> now, he's going to be a big problem for us on our defense to pay attention to as well. But with that, Nick, we only have one more postgame show this year because obviously with it being a night game, us taking the train into Chicago, we're not going to be able to hop on here to do our typical postgame show as soon as the final whistle blows, which on one hand is a little you know, upsetting because that means we just have one left, and I love doing these podcasts with you. On the other hand, I'm excited to hang out with you, Jonathan, our graphic designer, Jordan, at this game as well. It's going to be a really good time, and I know Will Ingalls is going to be there. A bunch of our listeners mentioned that they'll be there as well. So I'm excited to have uh, you know, a good in-person meetup this weekend as well. So for everyone listening to the podcast, like I said, no post-game show next week, but we'll still be here for Meet the Opponent, game preview. Will Ingles will provide you with his five matchups to watch. That way you can find yourself prepared for this game. And for everyone here in the chat, I know they've been hoping we can still find a place for them to talk after this game. So I'll try to find some way for that to happen here via the stream settings for you as well. Uh, thanks for everyone for tuning in this week. I know 21 to 13 Packers winning bears dropping to seven and seven and playoff hopes officially out the window. Wasn't the way you wanted to spend your Sunday, but I appreciate you hopping on to discuss and listen to our take on this game. And of course our thoughts on the season as a whole. So we'll be back in just a couple of days to kind of start preparations for week 16, but until next time, bear down Chicago. Bear down.